let me uh, pray for us, and then we will uh, jump into uh, our time in God's Word. Father, thank you uh, for this time that we can share together. Uh, thank you that uh, you, you love us and care for us and want to speak to our hearts and want to speak into our lives. You know every person's heart in this room. You know every uh, situation going on that's difficult or hard or uh, stressful or uh, hopeful and joyful. You, you see everything that's happening in here. And I, I just ask God, would you speak to us from your word today? Meet us here and, um, and allow me to, to serve well in that regard. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we're in a, a series uh, called Come and See, which are some of the first words that Jesus speaks in the book of John. Some of the first words that he says that are recorded is, hey, come and see what life with me is like. Come and see what life with me is all about. And so we're kind of exploring together what this means. What is life with Jesus really like? What is it about And so this is our second week in this, and if you're not a Christian and maybe you're interested in Jesus or interested in life with Jesus, maybe uh, you used to go to church back in the day and you're kind of just checking it out again and, and it's kind of new to you, maybe at this point in your life, this is a great opportunity to just check out what does Jesus say? life with him is about? What does he say life with him is, is uh, actually consists of? And maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and still this is a, a great opportunity to really kind of get a refresher on really what, what does the Christian life mean? What does it really entail? What is it about? And to start off with today, uh, we know that all of us, all of us want to live kind of a full life. Right? All of us, and there's all sorts of different ways to say this. We, we all want happiness in life. We all want joy in life. We all want to live the, the good life, to have a life that is fulfilled, that, that isn't just living, but is experiencing life as, as it was meant to be lived. We, we all want that, and especially, I, I would say, kind of in 2018 or in our culture, in our world, we get messages all the time encouraging that in us. And, I, and I'm not trying to knock that or say there's anything wrong with that, but, but all the time we get messages saying, hey, do what makes you happy and, and live, live life making your choices based on what will bring you happiness in life. I, I type this into Google, just what to look for in a, and it's got job on there and it's got a uh, laptop on there apparently is one of the, the top ones or look for in a guy or a college or a relationship. I mean, all these different things. And, and I went to a few of these things. I didn't go to all of them. Um, and, um, and I'm not sure which one you guys are laughing at, but there are some fun, funny ones on there that seem to pop up as the, as the top one. But if you go to, hey, what do you look for in a job? What do you look for in a job? You're going to find some of the top articles. Say, hey, what, you know, make sure you find a job. Make sure you find a career that makes you happy, right? That you don't want to just get a job that kind of sucks you dry, but you want to get a job that is like, yeah, I'm, I'm fulfilled in this. This brings happiness or what to look for in a guy. I think, you know, one of the top results that popped up in here, I think it had like 18 things, which seems like a lot, uh, but uh, one, like he's alive and he's not hideous. Those, I mean, I think those are good qualifications, but it had like 18 or something, and one of them was make sure you find a guy that wants to make you happy. And I didn't, I didn't look through all of these, but even, you know, I could imagine Imagine if I looked at the probiotic results that at least the advertising would say, finally, a probiotic that makes you happy or some, something like that, right? Um, I mean, a lot of the advertising or a lot of just kind of the messages in our culture are, hey, find what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. Look for what will make you happy. So I think all of us want to live kind of a full life, right? We want to live the good life. And we want happiness and joy in our lives. And some of you would probably say, I'm happy. Right? Some of you would say, I've got it. My life is full. I feel content. My, I feel joyful. I, I feel like I've got a good life right now. I've got a good thing going. A, a lot of you would probably say that. And some of you would probably say, and maybe many of you would say, I don't. Maybe you would look back and go, I did last year, and then this changed, or this changed, or this happened, or this person left, or this kind of sickness came into my life, or this kind of difficulty started to happen, or my job changed, or I got a new supervisor, or whatever it might be, that you would go, I did have it, and now I don't. You would say, I, I had it at one point, and now I don't. But we all want it. Whether you have it right now, or you don't have it right now, it's something that we all want. But, but here's the thing, look at, look at your life. And you can see it's unstable. You can look at your life and see that happiness, joy, 
fulfillment is unstable, right? Even if you have it right now and it's going well, you know it's unstable because maybe last year it wasn't. And now you're in a good season, or, or maybe right now it, it's not going well, and last year it was. Like, we know it's unstable. It's difficult to kind of keep. It's difficult to maintain. And don't just look at your life. Even look at your week. There's probably stuff this last week that maybe the day started off good, and you're like, today's a good day, right? You're singing the song. You didn't even have to use your AK. And it's like, today's a good day. Some of you would have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's like, today's a good day. You know, this is, this is a great day. I'm, I'm feeling this is awesome. And then it went south. It went bad. Or, or maybe it went the reverse. Maybe it started, your week started off rough and then things turned around. You're like, man, this is good. But my point with all that is just say it's unstable, right? It's kind of difficult to keep. It's difficult to maintain. We all want a good life, a full life, a joyful life, a, a fulfilled life. All of us want that. But, but we know that it's unstable. So the question that I just want to explore today with Jesus is how do we get a deeper fulfillment? In life, how do we get a more stable fulfillment or happiness or joy? How do we get a more stable, deeper fulfillment in this life? I mean, imagine being able to have that. That it wasn't sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad, but knowing I've got the source to be able to have a deeper and more stable, no matter what happens in life, no matter what happens in my week. It doesn't fluctuate, but I've got a deep sense of joy, contentment, happiness, fulfillment, however you want to describe that. And I'm not trying to quibble about words here of, of which is which, but just kind of the general idea. Imagine having that. And in order to do that, we need to understand why it can be really difficult to hang on to and how it is that we, that we actually get it. So let's start with this question, is why is our pursuit for fulfillment, and again, you can call that happiness or joy or contentment or whatever you want, but why is our pursuit for fulfillment so difficult? Why is it difficult? Why does it stay unstable? What, why, what makes it so hard? And we're going to look at a story where Jesus, I love this story because Jesus is just interacting with one person. And a lot of times when you look at the Bible, Jesus is talking to crowds and he's talking to big groups of people and he's kind of giving these big teachings and, and, and all of that stuff is great. But this is just Jesus' conversation with one person. And I think that's really helpful because it can help us to imagine or, or put ourselves in the shoes of that one person. And that's, that's what I want you to do today. As we look at Jesus interacting with this one individual, imagine yourself there. And Jesus helping us, maybe as a good friend or a, a counselor or, or a life coach, however you would want to kind of see it, imagine Jesus kind of walking you through this. And he's going to describe what makes our pursuit for joy and happiness often very unstable. So let's read the first part of this story. This is in John 4. And it says, So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour or noon, kind of the, the right in the middle of the day. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? So Jews and Samaritans had this kind of historical tension that they didn't like each other. The Samaritans were originally uh, Jewish people, but then had kind of, um, they were now a mixed race of people, which for, for in this culture with the Jews and the Samaritans, that was a bad thing. And, and they had kind of had the same religion, but then developed a, a religion that was Jewish mixed with some paganism and some different things. So basically, I mean, you don't need to know all the history of this, but there was tension between them where she would go, why are you asking me for something? You're supposed to think that I'm unclean. You're supposed to think that, that we have like this, this beef and, and we shouldn't talk. Now that's, you know, the, my, my version of it. So uh, for Jews have no, oh, there it is. Look, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you, I don't know, that came again, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, 
He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. This is part one of the story, but really we're able to see what makes this pursuit of fulfillment difficult. Now, Jesus is talking about water. But a lot of times as Jesus talks, and especially in the book of John, when Jesus is talking with people, he's talking about water, or he's talking about birth, or he's talking about light, or he's talking about eating. He's talking not about the physical things, but the spiritual things that those things kind of point to. So when Jesus gets in this conversation about water and, and uh, this well kind of running dry or being thirsty again or living water, and he's not just talking about the physical realities, he's talking to the things that those are great illustrations of that they point to. And really, it's the idea of fulfillment here, or pursuing joy or happiness. And so let me ask you a question. Where are you? And this can be a hard question to, to answer because I, I know we don't think about this a lot, but where are you pursuing fulfillment? Where are you pursuing joy, happiness? And again, we don't, we don't think about this, but maybe some of these things will help you Maybe you can ask yourself, what is it that you hope for that will happen soon or in your life? What are you hoping for? Or, or what are you making plans maybe most aggressively for? What is it that you're trying to say, I want my life to get here? What are you making plans for? What goals do you have? Or what is it maybe that you're fearful of not having? That's kind of the flip side of the coin. The things that we want or we're moving towards or working towards. But then there's also, man, what is it that you're afraid of? What is it that maybe you're most afraid of not having, not experiencing, not achieving? And there's a lot of different things that this could be. But let me give you some broad categories to think through. A lot of this might fall under the category of relationships. And, and, and that's a big category. Maybe it's, man, I, I really hope, I really, I, I think I'll be, be able to experience happiness and joy if I have more friends. Or if I have a spouse, a husband, or a wife, or uh, maybe you even just back up from that, if I can have somebody to date. Or, or maybe it's kids that you say, man, I, I really want to have kids. If I can have kids, I think my life will be more fulfilled and I'll be able to experience more joy, more, more happiness. So maybe it's in the relationship category, or, or maybe it's in kind of the success category. If I, can get, if I can get to this point in my career, maybe right now you've kind of just started the job, and, and you're like, man, I just got to grind it out, but I'm trying to get to this place, and once I get here, life will be, I'll, I'll be able to kind of sigh. I'll be able to breathe a little bit, kind of let it out and go, okay, I got it. And maybe that's it. Or maybe it's you can, when you think, man, once I can start my own thing, once I can kind of like finally get out of the rat race and just start my own thing. And so maybe it's kind of in the categories of success or career, or, or maybe it's in the categories of comfort and just kind of pleasure. I'm just, man, in my life, I, I, I'm pursuing fulfillment and pleasure, happiness, joy, and, and travel and hobbies and, and hanging out and sports and whatever. I mean, just kind of food and, I mean, just all the fun things of life. Maybe it's kind of in that category of things. I mean, there, there could be a lot of different things that we seek for it. And maybe it's in the category of looking for fulfillment and joy and, and your own sense of worth and your own sense of, man, maybe when I can get to the place where I'm just okay with myself, then life will be joyful. Then life will be fulfilled. When I can stop kind of feeling so bad about myself, when I can finally just accept myself or feel a sense of worth, maybe when I get there, life will be more joyful, more fulfilled. So what is it for you? What is it for you? I want you to begin to, to think about that. And here's what you need to know. If you pursue any of those things, if you pursue career, if you pursue success, relationships, if you pursue just kind of general pleasure and the good stuff that life has to offer or your, your sense of identity, if you pursue fulfillment in those things, here's what will happen. It will feel great. It'll feel great. You will get it. You will achieve it. You will feel a sense of life is good. If you get that job you've been wanting, 
I guarantee you on that day, man, you're going to pop bottle champagne or you're going you're gonna to whatever, just put a, an emoji on Facebook, you know, depending on where you are on the spectrum of celebration. And you're just going to say, man, this is awesome. I love, this is great. It's going to feel really good. If you, if you finally get texted back from that girl or that guy, you're like, he likes me, she likes me. You're going to, man, your heart's going to be full. You will say, this is it. I got it. I mean, it, it will happen. You will experience happiness. You will experience joy. You will experience fulfillment. And that will work for a little while. And then it'll fade. It'll run out. It'll start to diminish. It'll, to use Jesus' language, it will dry up. You will be thirsty again. See, Jesus says, anybody that drinks from this water will be thirsty again. You will drink and it will feel good. You will drink and it will feel like, I mean, think about a hot day. And I mean, we've had some of those recently, right? A hot day. It's not that hard to think about. You A hot day and just drinking a glass of water just fills your throat. You can feel it travel down, whatever happens in here. I'm not totally sure. And it gets, and you're just like, oh, it just feels so good. And then it goes away. And Jesus says, anybody that drinks from any of these different sources of fulfillment, you will be thirsty again. So think about this. I was thinking about this. Um, one of the, when my wife and I first got married, we lived right next door to a, a donut store. Like, I mean, sharing a wall. Okay? And I, I, it's called Top Pot Donuts. This is, this is the location. Uh, you can't see our house, but we lived right here. And our, our window opens up. I mean, we, and they made donuts all night. And it was like my, my, I mean, donuts to me is everything. Like, I mean, I, I have a tattoo on my back that says that. No, not really, but it's, but it really, I, I love donuts. I mean, donuts is like, it's, it's the pinnacle of culinary success. And this is, this is what some of those donuts look like. Here's another picture of what some of those donuts look like. Here's an up close version. Um, I mean, this is a pumpkin donut that's just dripping with joy and glory. And, and you think I'm kind of joking, but this is from my wedding day. Uh, this is my wife and I. She's feeding me a donut. Um, we took pictures with donuts. Like, this is, like, donuts to me are amazing. And we live next to this place. We live next to this place. But you know, but you know what happens? So I live next to this place, and I ate a donut. I'm not joking. I ate a donut every day. Go in there sit down, eat a donut, drink a cup of coffee. I mean, they started giving me free coffee because I was just in there all the time. So like, hey, yep, here's your coffee, take a donut. And I loved it. And did that for, I don't know, four years? No, I'm just kidding. I did that for, (laughs) I did that for, uh, I did that for at least a month. But you know what eventually began to happen? It's like, yeah, it's still good. It's not like I go in and puke it out, but just like it's kind of lost, it's lost the power, Right? It's lost the effect. It's not as, oh man, imagine living next to a donut store and being able to eat that every day of your life. Like my 10-year-old self that was called stocky and husky would have never believed, would have never believed that you had told me, hey, you'll get sick of eating a donut every day. But eventually, I lived the donut dream. And you know what happened? I mean, really, it just kind of, it's like, okay, it's good, it's a donut, but the power of it dries up. Now, that's kind of a silly example, but you know this with all sorts of things. If you've got kids and they're a little bit older, you give them a present on Christmas and they're done with it by the end of the day. They're playing with the box, you know? Or we got our kids bikes and now they're like, eh, I don't even care about a bike anymore, you know? It's just, it's, we, and and you, we, adults, we do that too, right? The first day you got your new iPhone or your watch thing and you're just, this is amazing, I love this, this is so awesome. And then a little bit into it, you're like, okay, I need a new one. And that's what happens, that whatever we pursue fulfillment in, we get thirsty again. We get thirsty again, whether it's with donuts or devices or, look, this is true, and I hate to burst your your bubble here if, if this applies, but this is true in Denver too. A lot of you and a lot of people move to Denver because Denver is this place that we believe will provide fulfillment satisfaction, joy, happiness. You may have come from uh, the Midwest and said, I got to get out of there. And you came to Denver. You may have come from the South. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm getting amen. Some, some of you maybe came from the South 
and kind of same thing. Maybe it's, and I've talked to many, look, I'm not trying to make fun of any place, but I, I just know from conversations. Some of you in the Midwest was like, man, I need to get to the city. And some of you in the South was like, man, I need to get away from this kind of religious fundamentalism stuff. I need to kind of get somewhere else. Or some of you, I mean, it's it just kind of, maybe you came from one of the coasts and it was like, I got to get away from the kind of rat race stuff and get into a place a little more relaxed. And Denver can even be a place where we say, this will be the fulfillment. But you know what happens? Thirsty again. Uh, Denver's kind of cultural uh, magazine that's a, a great resource kind of for life in Denver's called 5280 and their issue this month uh, had this article saying how do you know when it's time to leave Colorado and here's what just one quote from the author he says the longer I spent in the city I expected to be my Mecca I expected to be paradise the more I wanted to distance myself from it those dinner party conversations started to feel scripted we had Subarus in common <laughs> but <laughs> But replacing the deeper bonds I'd forged and cherished in Michigan proved difficult. Instead of rejoicing in our mutual interest, I'd sip my triple-hopped IPA, st stare into the frosted glass, and think, is this where I belong? Now, I think this is a great little description of Denver because he hits kind of outdoors stuff with Subaru and Denver's beer scene and, and just kind of, you know, the relationships that you can form and, and the city life and, you know, all, all this stuff. And he says... It, it didn't become the Mecca I thought it would be. It didn't actually fulfill like I thought it would. I'm thirsty again. I'm thirsty again. And this is true with whatever it is in life. You land your dream job. Some of you, you know, many of you are young, right? And so you're, you're kind of there. You might have just gotten the dream job. And you're like, yes, this is it. And celebrate. But pretty soon... You're going to say, thirsty again, and thirsty again. You, you might land that relationship. Look, I, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've walked with many couples that have gotten married and been able to do their pre-marriage process and, and been able to stand there with them on their most joyful, beautiful day where they are saying, life is perfect. And then it's not. And I'm not saying that it crumbles and they hate each other, but it's just that it doesn't fulfill. And many people, the day that they, and again, I'm not trying to be a pessimist here, but many people that, that go, I'm pregnant, this is amazing, what I've wanted and longed for, then go, man, life is so hard. And many moms I've talked to even say, I, I'm ashamed to even say this, I don't like my kid. Okay, so I'm just saying those things that we say, here's fulfillment, here's joy, here's happiness, it will work for a minute, for a day, for a week, for a year maybe, I don't know. And then you'll be thirsty again. This is what Jesus says, and, and here's what it leads to. Here, here's what happens. Here's, here's what this leads to. It leads to kind of one of two things. Either it leads to this mentality of, I need bigger and better. I need something bigger. I don't know if you ever played that game. There's a game that usually it's like youth kind of people that play it, whether uh, if, you're in, if you ever went to youth group as a kid or, um, or if you've been involved in some sort of sports team, sometimes they play it for team building exercises. But uh, bigger or better is you start with like a paper clip. You start with a paper clip and you knock on a stranger's door because kids just love, on stranger, love knocking on stranger's doors, right? And you knock on the door and say, hey, I've got this paper clip. Can you give me something bigger or better? And then they give you a napkin or something. And then, and then you go to the next place, hey, give me something bigger or better. And they give you a Coke. And, then, and you, the goal is to just keep trading up to get bigger or better. We had some people come to our house uh, a couple weeks ago. And they were like, hey, do you have something bigger or better? And they had a bottle of wine that's actually one of our favorite wines. Like, hey, do you have something bigger and better than this? And we were actually just getting rid of our bed. And so I was like, yeah, I got a dirty mattress in the garage. Do you want to, <laughs> do you want to, it's bigger. I'm not going to say it's better. But, and they're like, yeah, because, you know. They're youth, and they're like, I'm like, do you want to carry this around the neighborhood? And they're like, yep, and they did. Um, so <laughs> that's what ends up happening, though, in life, is we keep feeling maybe the problem is with this person. See, maybe it's not that relationships won't fulfill me. Maybe it's this person won't fulfill me. So I need someone, and you probably wouldn't say bigger and better, but you might say, I, I need somebody a little prettier. I need someone that kind of matches my compatibility a little more. You know, we met six of the 13 criteria on the dating site, but not eight. And maybe I need someone that meets eight of them. 
And if that is not how dating sites work, I haven't been on them in a long, long time. So sorry. You're like, that's not, what is he talking about? So they, you, 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 we keep thinking though, I just need, it's not this, it's, it's not this, it's not jobs, it's not career, it's not success that's the issue, it's this one. So I need something a little bigger, a little better. Look, people know that this is how drugs work, right? You, you've heard of things, and, and maybe you have used drugs or are using uh, drugs. But, I mean, just kind of, the, everybody kind of knows this language of like a gateway drug, right? That somebody starts with, and eventually you go, man, that doesn't quite do it for me anymore, so I need something bigger and better. And you never think the drugs is the problem. You think, I just need something bigger and better to fulfill me. Look, let me just even keep going on this, because this is how pornography works, and in pornography, a lot of times what happens is you start with something really small, really soft, they even call it, and then it moves into deeper and darker things. And one day you go, how did I ever start doing this? But it's because we have this sense that it's not this thing that's the problem. I just need something bigger or better. I need a different relationship. I need a different job. I need a, a, a different experience. I need a different friend. And we are thirsty. Again, Jesus says, anyone that drinks from this water, anyone that is seeking fulfillment here, he says, you know what's going to happen? You will be thirsty Again, you will be saying, where can I find happiness? Where can I find fulfillment? If it's not this thing, I just need a better thing. Look, it's interesting. Even if you just Google how to be fulfilled in life, how to be fulfilled in life, all these lists begin to pop up. 13 easy ways to live a happier, more fulfilling life. Four ways to live a more fulfilling life. 10 choices that lead to a 16 ways to be happier. 18 basic rules to lead Five ways, or say, okay, how do I be happy instead of how do I be fulfilled? And 23 ways to be happier, and 10 proven ways by science to be incredibly happy, or 15 habits, or I love this one, 45 ways to be happy instantly. That doesn't sound instant. It's 45 things. <laughs> but when you see all that, isn't it kind of overwhelming? Isn't it kind of almost exhausting? I mean, I didn't do this, but what I actually started to on a New York Times article of all the things that they wrote out, and I, I, don't even, I got to like 40 of like all the different things you're supposed to do of, hey, you should live here, and these are the happiest countries, and these are the, and it's just like, this is exhausting. I mean, isn't it just kind of overwhelming even to think, what does this show us if there's all these lists and all these ways and all these methods and all these instant tricks and by, backed by science and incredibly happy people do this, and here's what you do, and all of that says, thirsty, again, all of it says it's going to lead to bigger and better and thirsty again. Or the second thing that sometimes happens is maybe it's not bigger and better in your heart. Maybe it's a little bit of a, I, I'm going to use the word bitterness, but maybe you don't feel it that strongly, but just kind of a bitterness that you tried. You tried to do the bigger, better thing. You tried to pursue. You tried to be fulfilled. You tried to. And now, sometimes this is what happens with people that are older. You kind of go, yeah, I used to be like that when I was young. And more develop a bit of a cynicism. Yeah, we can't find happiness in this life. Or, yep, life sucks, and then you die, or that kind of mentality. It's like, yeah, I tried. I did it all, and this is just kind of what life is. It can be kind of a little bit more on, on the like, hard edge with that. Or it might be just kind of a self-righteousness feeling. Oh, those people that try to get happy. Oh, oh yeah, you just wait. You just, I remember you know, people saying this to my wife and I when we got married. of just like, oh, you're so in love now, but just wait. And it's just like, okay, maybe there's some issues you have, man. You know? <laughs> but it, it, it's kind of this self-righteousness that, oh, once you've lived, you'll see. Or maybe, and I think this is true a lot of times, it's just an apathy. Just kind of like, man, I don't really care anymore. There's no pursuit. I'm not trying to bigger and better and get, it's just, I don't really care anymore. And this is actually a big uh, th thing that has been observed in our culture is just a, a, a strong sense of apathy. People just don't care that much about things anymore. People just aren't that passionate about things anymore. People just aren't that hungry anymore. That there's just a little bit of an apathy because maybe we tried to do the bigger, better, get fulfilled, get joy, get happiness. Like the author of the 
5280 article and said, man, maybe it's just not there at all. So sometimes it's bigger and better, and sometimes it's bitterness. And this is kind of what happens as we get thirsty again. Now, maybe as I Maybe as I go through this, maybe as I read this, you say, you he- maybe you go, that's me, okay? But maybe you hear this and you go, that's not me. Yeah, I want to be fulfilled in life. I want to be joyful in life. I want to be content in life. I want to be fulfilled in life, but, but that's not me. But let me just ask you some questions that might help you identify. Maybe that is the issue. Do you ever experience envy and jealousy of other people? When you look at Instagram or you look at Facebook or whatever it is that you look at, Maybe it's just real people. You look at their lives. You ever experience a feeling of envy and jealousy? Usually where that's from is they've got the thing that I think would fulfill me. They've got the person that I think if I had would fulfill me. They've got the job that I think would fulfill me. They've got the family that I think would fulfill me. Or do you ever experience a lot of busyness and stress in your life? And I'm not saying this is the only place that this comes from, but a lot of times the stress that so many of us feel is because we are fighting so hard to pursue those things we believe. If I get this, I'll be fulfilled. And there's a sense of busyness and stress because we're not just, we're not just living full lives of a, in a calendar sense. We are fighting for fulfillment. We're fighting for joy, and and this often leads to anxiety. Maybe you just feel anxious and worried because you look at your life and go, I don't know if I'll ever get it. You have these things out here that you believe will bring fulfillment and joy, and there's anxiety and worry because it's, what if I don't get it? What if that interview doesn't work? What if the date doesn't go well? What if my kids aren't healthy because fulfillment and joy is this thing? And so there's fear and worry that it might not work out. Or maybe it's this. Maybe, maybe, like I said before, you had something and you have experienced the loss of it. And when you lose it, see, when's the last time maybe you felt crushed, just kind of devastated? See, that can be that you finally got the thing that brings fulfillment and joy and then it crumbled in your hand. That often shows you, any of these things show you where we're finding our fulfillment, where we're finding our joy. Let me ask you and just give you one more. And maybe it's that you look at certain actions in your life, certain things that you would know, for those of you that are Christians, that you would go, man, I know this is sin. I know this is wrong. And you kind of go, how did I ever get here? How did I, I never thought I would be doing this. And we look at it kind of at a level, not understanding how, our, how we would ever end up doing a certain thing. But it's because there's certain drives in our hearts for fulfillment, for joy, for contentment that have been present for a long time and have just manifested themselves in a behavior that we would be shocked to find ourselves doing. So here's what happens. This is, I know this is a, a long explanation, but this is what Jesus means when he says, anyone that pursues this water will be thirsty again. Thirsty again. And that means in this cycle, you're trapped. Because you're searching for fulfillment, searching for joy. It doesn't work out, but you think, I just got to try something else. Or, or you're trapped because I'm searching for joy and fulfillment, but I guess I can't find it, so you're trapped in never having it. In some ways, it enslaves us, searching, missing it, searching, missing it. But what if we could actually find it? This is what makes it difficult, but what if we could actually find it and experience a deeper sense of fulfillment and a more stable sense of fulfillment that doesn't vary by the season that we are in? So what can lead us to a deeper fulfillment? Here's the, here's the second part of the story, and then we'll see two key things that, that we need to experience this. Jesus says to her, go call your husband. So she asks, how can I get this water? That was kind of where the story ended. How can I get this water? And Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. 
Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour, and this is not disrespectful, uh, you know, to us, if someone responded that way, it would be, but in that culture, it's not. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. The worship that you, that the, you worship what you do not know, we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and it is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? What can lead us to a deeper fulfillment? There, there's two key things that, that we need to be able to do. And, and here, here's where they are. First is we need to identify where it is that we are finding and seeking fulfillment in other things. We need to identify where that is. I mean, we've kind of talked through a bunch of possible options, but here's what happens with Jesus. He says, she, she gets to this point where she says, okay, I want that water. And what does he say? Go get me your husband. That seems really weird. Seems kind of out of the blue. I thought we were talking about water. I thought we were talking about water, and then you tell me to go get, go get my man, and, and Jesus is saying, this is the source for you. This is the source for you of where you've been seeking fulfillment. And, and this is where Jesus says, you're right, you've had five husbands. Now, I guess in some way, maybe some of those husbands she had and one died. Or, but as Jesus is talking about this, it's clear that this is the issue he's pointing on of where she has been seeking fulfillment. It's been in men. It's been in relationships. This is where even Jesus says to her, you're right, and the guy that you're with now is not your husband that you are in a relationship once again seeking fulfillment and you're going from man to man to man. And many scholars point out the fact that she is at the well in the hottest part of the day is showing she's basically an outcast because she's looked at as this promiscuous kind of whore, basically. And so here she is needing to go to the well, not when everybody else went to the well in the early morning or late evening, but by herself because she is an outcast because she has lived this life of pursuing men, and especially, you know, in our culture, that's normalized, then that would be something that was very much a shameful thing. And Jesus says to her, okay, you want this water? You want the water? There's something you have to do first. You need to identify where it is that you've been seeking the water elsewhere. Now look, it's interesting because at the end of the story, she goes back to her village, and she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. See what that tells us. Jesus didn't tell her everything she ever did. They had a really short conversation. But what she's saying is he pointed into the core of what's been driving my life. He pointed into the core of what has been describing me. He pointed and touched my heart into the very issues that have been most what I've been about and most what has not fulfilled me and most what has left me thirsty Again, that it could be said, he told me everything I ever did, everything that I ever have been. You see, if you want to be led to experience a deeper fulfillment, we have got to go in the same way. We've got to identify where it is that this has been true of us, where it is that we've been seeking fulfillment. And often, listen, often it's painful. Because when Jesus says that to her, she changes the topic. She changes the subject. He says, hey, go get me your husband. And she's like, mm, I can see you're a prophet. So let's have a theological discussion. You know, you guys say you're supposed to worship on this mountain, and we say, and Jesus is like, uh, hang on. Let's go back to something here. See, because often it's painful. See, what would it be for you if Jesus said something similar? He might not say to you, go get me your husband, but if Jesus were to say, I'm going to point out that thing where you've been craving fulfillment, joy, happiness, and he said, go get me your schedule. Go get me your bank account. Go get me your Facebook messages. Go get me your Instagram stories. Go get me your conversations. 
I don't know what it would be, but if Jesus were to say something to you and say, go get this, go get me your dating history. Go get me the things that you've been upset about. And not all of it is tangible, obviously, but whether it's a relationship or your success, your career, your identity, a life of comfort and ease, your security, your freedom, your family, whatever it might be that Jesus says, look, if you want to experience deeper fulfillment, go get that and let's talk about it. You see, if, if we want to get here, we first have to identify where it is that this is taking place in our hearts. And then secondly, we have to identify who he is. We have to see who he is. See, because what Jesus is after is not just external change. He doesn't just say, hey, okay, you want the water? All right, go dump that dude. The end. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, okay, you want the water that, you know, you'll never be thirsty again? Then stop going after all these guys and get your life together. He doesn't say that. See, because if we want to be led to experience a deeper fulfillment, then what has to happen is we have to actually see who he is. Because what has to change is not just the external behaviors. What has to change is the things that we want, the things that we desire, the things that we are longing for, the things that we are pursuing, the things that we are craving. That's what has to change at the most fundamental level. And here's the question that Jesus is getting at. What if your desires, what if our desires for fulfillment and joy, what if those actually show that we are longing for him without even knowing it? What if those show that we are longing for something eternal, but looking for it in things that are very small? That we are looking for something big, but looking for it in all these small things. Here, here's how C.S. Lewis, who was an author and professor at Oxford, he says this, the Christian says, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. So you got desires for things? That means something exists. A baby feels hunger? There's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim? There's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire? There's such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire for fulfillment, for longing, for joy, for contentment, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, keeps running out, I keep getting thirsty again, then the most probable explanation is I was made for another world. Probably. Earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. This is what Jesus is saying, that you need to see who he is. That what if there's so much frustration in our lives as we pursue contentment and fulfillment and, and whatever that might be. What if there's so much kind of disappointment and frustration because we're putting too much weight on the marriage. Too much weight on getting a spouse. Too much weight on a job. And it's never meant to fulfill. You've got a desire for ultimate fulfillment, but only because that's trying to point you to the person that can actually bring that. And Jesus looks at her and would look at us and say, I'm what you've been actually searching for. You think it's men that you need. You think it's a job that you need. You think it's a relationship that you need. You think it's just kind of all the fun stuff that this life has to offer that you need. But what Jesus says is, it's actually me. It's actually me that you have been looking for uh, another kind of early church um, leader in the very first couple centuries of Christianity named Augustine says this kind of famous quote. He says, you have made us for yourself, talking about God. You have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. See what that means? That our hearts will always be restless, going to bigger and better or just feeling bitter, always pursuing restless until we actually experience a deeper rest in him. Jesus, I, I love the way he deals with this woman. I love the way he deals with me and with us. That he would look at us and say, I see the pain. I see the struggle. I see the fear. I see the loneliness. I see the hurt. I see the disappointment. And he doesn't just stand up there and say, 
how dare you and rebuke her. And he says, I want something more for you. I want a freedom for you. I want a joy for you that you haven't been. I want you to be able to, like Augustine says, I want you to be able to rest. I want you to be able to experience a quenching of your soul thirst. See, listen, Jesus is our savior, but he's not just our savior. He is our fulfiller. That Jesus is one that says and claims about himself in this passage that he wants our joy and satisfaction at a deeper level than we even want it. That he wants to be like water to our dehydrated souls. This is what Jesus claims about himself, what he claims about life with God. That knowing him and experiencing his grace is what we actually long for. And let me say this too. Oftentimes, if you're somebody exploring Christianity, maybe coming back after a long time, checking out church again, every week we have people like that here. You're, you're not alone. A lot of times this happens in stages. You see, Jesus is revealing who he is to her, but a lot of times it happens in stages. First, she, she questions him and says, hey, who are you that you would ask me for a drink? And Jesus tells a little bit more about himself. And then she says, what are, do you think you're a... Do you think you're better than Jacob? And he reveals a little bit more about himself. She says, maybe you're a prophet. He reveals a little bit more about himself. And she says, I see that you're the Messiah. I see that you're the Christ. I see you're the one that's actually come to save. And a lot of times, Jesus wants us to see, to lead us to a deeper fulfillment by showing us who he is. And it goes in stages. And so... All, all I'm saying with that is, listen, if, if you're kind of exploring Jesus or Christianity or church or any of this stuff, don't expect that you've got to get it all at once. And a lot of times it, it goes through stages of God revealing himself, who he is to you. And, and if that's where you are, I mean, really, I, I'd love to talk to you even and just help you process through that. But if Jesus is right, if, if what he says is true, that this is who he is and what he comes to bring and our desires are actually longings for him. It means that we can have a fulfillment that doesn't run out. It means that we can have a joy and a happiness that is deeper and more stable. So final question is just this practically, how do we get this deeper fulfillment then? Jesus leads us to this place where we need to identify where that's happening and who he is, but how do we actually get it? And it's really two things. First is that we need to leave the previous things. We need to leave the places. And really, this is just a prayer with God to say, God, I've identified where this is. I have been seeking my fulfillment and my joy in these things. And we leave those things. We leave them at a tangible, practical level and at a heart level saying, God, I don't want this anymore. Look, I don't know what it is for you. And, you know, if you want to go for six hours, we can give tons of examples. And, you know, you can pull out a worksheet and diagnose what this might be for you. But here's what I know. You've got to be able to say, if I actually want this, I have to turn directions and say, Jesus, I've been seeking fulfillment. I've been seeking my joy and my happiness and maybe like this woman, relationships or my career. And I'm going to stop. I'm going to turn. And then we have to actually experience it in him. Jesus says he changes the conversation to worship, to talk about worship in spirit and truth, and it's not a subject change. This is how we actually get the fulfillment is worship, which doesn't just mean song. It means that we see who he is as better than anything else, or to use Jesus's language, we drink. See, God doesn't, Jesus doesn't just want you to believe in him, but to drink him. And that sounds weird, right? But it's a visceral, experiential thing that God is after. He doesn't want you to just, to, and look, we use this language with other things. If we say, hey, drink it all in or eat it all up. And Jesus is saying, I want you to drink in who I am, to worship, to experience who I am as better than whatever it is that you are seeking. He's not saying comfort's bad, but see how I am the amazing comforter that you've actually been longing for. He's not saying that acceptance from people is bad. He's saying, what if you found your acceptance in me and found that I'm a God that accepts you? He's not saying that finding worth and value is bad, but what if you found this in me? 
See, worship is to turn our gaze from something else and to look at him and see who he is as better. And what if you found your fulfillment, your joy in who he is tangibly versus the things that you are seeking it in? What if we could be free from bigger and better or just apathy and self-righteousness and instead experience a deeper, more stable joy and fulfillment that is what Jesus says, overflowing. See, Jesus says the result of this, if you drink from him, then what happens is you are overflowing in fulfillment. You're overflowing. Instead of continually needing to be filled up, I need this, I need this, you're actually overflowing. You've got something to give, which is what her life leads to. So, how can we get this deeper fulfillment? We, we leave the things where it's taking place and we worship him. But ultimately, the way that we are able to get this deeper fulfillment is because God himself is seeking us. See, what Jesus says to her is that the Father is seeking people to worship him. Listen to me, God is seeking after you. If you're a Christian, God is seeking after you. He's seeking after your heart that you would be able to know him and find joy and fulfillment in him. And if you're not a Christian or unsure where you are, God is seeking you. God is saying, I want this for you. I want you to know me and experience life with me. God is seeking you. And the way, the ultimate way that God has sought us is in Jesus. See, how do you get water out of a well? How do you get water out of a well? Well, something has to dive into deep darkness, empty itself, and be able to come back up to give life and water. And this is what Jesus did for us. That Jesus actually entered into the darkness of this world. He entered into, he entered into the depths of this world and emptied himself, going into the pit to be able to bring us life, to be able to bring us water. On the cross, Jesus' blood was shed and his body was broken. He emptied himself to fill us up. He emptied himself to forgive us, and cleanse us, and give us the water that we need to experience the life that we long for. So we're going to pray, we're going to take communion, and then sing songs to worship in spirit and truth this God that we have. Father, I thank you that you would give to us Jesus, that you would give to us, that you long for us to experience joy and fulfillment. And you know that we often experience the frustration that this world has because we are searching for a fulfillment that only you can bring. And so I, I just pray as we take communion, as we sing, that you would direct our hearts towards you, that we would be able to see who you are, that you would bring conviction where we need that or comfort where we need that to be able to really find in you the quenching of our spiritual thirst. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.